Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1941. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Chicago, Illinois, with a very special guest by the name of Bert Richmond. Hey, Bert, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, I've got my left foot off the clutch. All right, cool. We'll have some fun here today. Now, before I get started and before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Bert? that I have a high level of immaturity, which is why I don't look and act like I am 83. (laughs) That's a good thing to have. (laughs) Very cool. I will mention in your intro that I've had your lovely wife, Diane Fitzgerald, on the show. She was a very, kind of an early guest of mine. She was guest number 493. I'm up to 1941 now that was back in 2016 so so if i asked diane that uh hey is bert a little immature from time to time is she gonna smile and go oh yeah uh she would actually correct that and say not from time to time (laughs) frequently frequently well hey that's how to keep life happy and and fun i have a feeling so uh i think we're gonna have some fun and I'm, i'm very appreciative that diane suggested that I have you on the show because I've known about you for a long time. And every time I talk to her, she talks about you. So uh, you must be behaving in some way because she still talks to you in in a very uh, high manner. So uh, you're doing something right there, my friend, no doubt. Let me give you a proper introduction and we're going to dive into a very fascinating life and the world around cars that you have. Bert Richmond has had a passion for gears, cars, and motorcycles since he was a very young boy. His career was in interior architectural design but his enthusiasm for all things automotive has never diminished. He organized and guided motorcycle tours around the world and founded Lotus Tours, an international motorcycle touring company. He participated in the Peking to Paris Rally in a 1953 Citroen 2CV. Oh my gosh, that must have been something. He's driven in many road rallies, including the Colorado Grand, California Mille, and the SEM 1000. He was pivotal in the development of the LeMay America's Car Museum, which is just down the road from where I live here, serving on the board of directors. And in 2010, 2010, he and his wife, Diane, uh, who, as I said, has been a guest here on Cars Yeah, began producing a micro car world meets. And in 2016, Bert realized a lifelong dream of developing a board or a member-based collector car storage facility, which he did in Chicago. It's titled Collector's Car Garage and has been the site of many enthusiast events. We'll be back in just a minute to learn more about Bert's life, but first a word from our sponsors. So give him a little love, would you? And we'll be right back. Covercraft has the most complete line of custom seat covers available. Choose between the polycotton seat savers, Endura Precision Fit Custom Seat Covers, Leatherette Precision Fit Custom Seat Covers, and their durable Carhartt Seat Covers. They're all easy to install 
and remove. And guess what? They're machine washable too. Easy cleanup to make them look brand new. No more worries about the kids spilling on your seats or your pets damaging your expensive upholstery or leather. Covercraft's quality seat covers protect from damaging pet claws, pet fur, hair, mud, moisture, food, drink spills, drool from permanently damaging your vehicle's fine surfaces. Headrest and armrest covers and color options are also available on many of the styles. And I've got a great offer for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off plus free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping with the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. Visit Covercraft.com today. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Rains here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. All right, Bert, we're back. So let's talk a little bit more about this life you've had. I mentioned in your intro that you really started off as an interior designer, an architectural designer, mostly businesses, business offices, if you would. And you had a whole career around that, but somehow you figured out how to cram in a whole lot of car stuff. Because I read your bio and I went, oh my gosh, how is this guy done all this stuff. You said you've been around for 83 years, so you've had a little bit more time, but you've certainly made a life around motorcycles, cars, and experiences, haven't you? Uh, apparently, yes. It all started uh, at age 13, living on a farm on Long Island. A friend of my father's gave me a motorcycle, and as he was rolling it out of the back of the pickup truck, my mother walked by and said, what are you guys doing with that motorcycle? And the, the Harold, the man that was giving it to me, said, it's a gift for Bert. And she said, well, put that right back in the car, in the truck. No son of mine is going to ride a motorcycle. So the motorcycle went away. And two weeks later, the guy showed up with a 1938 Crosley. And I became infatuated with that. I learned how to drive. and. Um, Somewhere along the line, one of my younger brothers dared me to make a 90-degree right turn going about 30 miles an hour through the wheat fields. I did that, and magically, the car wound up upside down. All I can remember was the rear seat was loose, and my brother was on his head with the 
seat stuck on his butt. We climbed out <laughs> under the car, rolled it back over, drove home. Windshield was broken. The top of the windows were broken, the doors. And um, I made it into a hot rod. Shazam, <laughs> just like that. Took, a, took off all four fenders, cut the windshield off and the tops of the doors off. My father returned from a business trip and said, what did you guys do to that car? It was a perfectly good automobile. And I said, well, we were going through the woods and I wasn't paying attention to Paul, looked over at him for a minute and we whacked a low hanging branch on a big tree and it came right through the windshield and then the car crashed into the woods and we just decided we would remove all the fenders. <laughs> yeah. Years later, maybe two years later, he got over this thing. Oh, and by the way, apparently the early design gene kicked in because instead of it all being blue with rusty inside the fender wells, I found a gallon of barn red paint and we painted it to match the barn. Nice. Well, it sounds like that was a one of the starting points in your career, but you found a way to get back on motorcycles, didn't you? Well, not really. I think we should move forward with what happened next because Dad and I removed all of the body, threw it away, and we made wooden buck, bolted them to the chassis and to the floor pan, and we actually built an aluminum body for that Crosley, which got me to thinking about being a car designer and becoming an industrial designer, which morphed its way into architecture or in corporate headquarters and office buildings. And it wasn't until I was 27 after I got transferred from New York to Chicago that I actually went out and bought my first motorcycle, which of course I didn't know how to ride. I didn't know how to keep the thing in neutral with a little green light on it. But um, we've come a long way since that motorcycle. Well, yeah, because I know you founded Lotus Tours and you started taking people on incredible rides all over the world, right? Yes, but um, it's much easier than that. The little architectural firm that I started grew from myself and two other partners to a staff of 180 architects and designers wow. in seven cities. Chicago, Denver, Dallas, Houston, Minneapolis, New Orleans, and Seattle. And what I realized was an architect is a three-dimensional problem solver. But I wasn't doing architecture. I was managing the seven vice presidents that were running all these offices. At the age of 50, I realized that this was not fun being a management consultant to my own staff. And I fired myself due to incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> and the way I got even with the incompetence was I had already taken a trip to Nepal and Thailand, and a bunch of people that I was working with said, God, that seems like a lot of fun. The next time you do one of those, take me, take me. And six months later, I had the courage to do another one, and I went to New Zealand and took some of those take-me's. And three or four months later, it was off to the south of France. And it became clear to me that it was much more fun playing than working and not working with clients. So I literally sold my firm to my junior partners and I made a quick exit. And have now, at this point, I think we've taken over 8,000 
high net worth individuals to over 150 countries to strange places like Mongolia, Ethiopia, Peru, Uruguay, etc. And while we closed that down as a commercial operation in 2007, I still have people who don't understand we don't do that anymore. They don't take no for an answer. So Diana and I just came back from taking 14 people on a trip through Corsica and Sardinia literally three weeks ago. And we're already working on the next trip, which is Venice to Istanbul, going across uh, the former Yugoslavia into Albania, Greece, and back into Turkey. So if it's a challenge and it requires a lot of complicated logistics, sign me up. It's no different than building a building with a strong foundation. Oh, my gosh. This is incredible. Well, you know, it's interesting because later in your career, after building this great business of yours, you realize, you know what I really love are cars and motorcycles. And you figured out a way to wrap that as a career, which is what Cars Yeah is all about, which is absolutely fascinating. Now, these trips you're doing now, are these motorcycle trips or car trips? Motorcycle trips. You're still riding bikes? Wow. (laughs) We're still doing lots of rallies. Well, The uh, profit and loss statement for the architectural firm sort of followed my uh, car racing days of racing Formula V and Formula Ford because all spring and summer, I was focused on the next race. And so there wasn't much time to go out selling and be the rainmaker. But boy, come September, we had signed up lots more clients. And so uh, by Thanksgiving, we were on a roll for another successful year. Wow. Ah, just fabulous. I love it. Now, another thing that you got into is your fascination through engineering and innovation in small engines or micro car. And this has become something that's been pretty prevalent in your life as well, right? Well, the good thing is that I started with that Crosley in 1951 or 52. And so I've always been fascinated by these tiny motorcycle type engines or industrial engines that were used after World War II to get uh, Europe and Asia back on their feet again, their feet uh, in terms of providing economical uh, transportation for the masses. And so, yes, If it's really small and absurd, I want one. (laughs) Well, while we live in downtown Chicago on a typical 25 foot wide lot, we built a garage that's 44 feet long and 20 feet wide because there's a two and a half foot setback on either side. And in addition to a motorcycle lift and a workbench, we can cram eight cars in our silly garage, but they are silly cars. (laughs) No doubt. Well, let's talk about this garage a little bit, which you've called Collector's Car Garage. It's it's basically a member-based storage facility, but a place to come and fun and gather people and talk cars and motorcycles and everything. Tell us a little bit more about this. Well, I was on one of these vintage motorcycle rallies in Italy, And it was early one morning, the day of the start, and I had not filled my gas tank the night before like normal people do. And I went out early in the morning, and I'm at a gas station, and uh, it's a situation where you have to put in your lira or euro notes, 
and then you get your five euros worth of fuel. And another guy pulled up also wearing a rally a race uh, jersey or bib. And in horrible Italian, he asked me, you know, how does it work? And I said, you know, why don't you speak in English? Because I can tell you're a New Yorker. <laughs> so that was a guy by the name of Bob Machinist. And it turns out that uh, he was new to this whole Motor Giro rally situation because he was one of the few Americans, as was I. We wound up spending a fair amount of time together. And it turns out that Bob had built in Bedford Hills, which is a, a suburb of Westchester, New York, a collector's car garage. And I said, geez, that's one of my dreams of doing that. And I've been looking at trying to get that done. Um, anyhow, we agreed that uh, I was the logical person to help do that as they expanded into Chicago. And so we did. In the meantime, we have expanded that to Fort Lauderdale, I think to Vancouver, British Columbia, and we're also looking at the Toronto area. But we've merged uh, about six months ago with Haggerty Insurance and are now are, have the moniker of Haggerty Garage and Social. But it's exactly as you predicted. It's a place to hang out to watch uh, Formula Grand Prix races, either motorcycle or cars. It's a place where we start our rally drives from. We have car shows there. We have a staff of uh, people that will detail and service your cars. But for inner cities, it's a great facility in terms of if you have a, a house with a two-car garage, but you're a three- or four-car family, where do you put that precious piece of jewelry. Well, you leave it with Haggerty Garage and Social these days. And we have a staff of four full-time people that uh, keep it operating seven days a week. Well, it sounds like neutral or slow is not in your vocabulary, Bert. Holy cow. It's incredible. You're a go, go, go. It's even worse than that. While I retired 33 years ago, I have friends who are or former clients that don't take no for an answer, the same ones that keep insisting that we take them on motorcycle trips. So I'm in the process of, I just finished uh, a rehab of adding a, a couple of elevators to a, an office building I did years ago. Uh, we're breaking ground next week on an eight-story office building. I've just completed a historic preservation building in our neighborhood, and I've got another one that's under development just north of us of a few miles. So I am busy playing, trying to interweave play with work. And it's not that I need the work or the income. It's just I've discovered that in order to keep, in order for my lack of maturity to fester <laughs> and grow, um, I think it's important to be challenged intellectually and to sol continue to solve those architectural three-dimensional problems. Oh, Bert, you're an incredible inspiration. Why haven't I had you on this show before now? You're the, you're the epitome of, of uh, inspiration and uh, making life interesting. I think it's absolutely spectacular what you're doing. Holy cow. Now I know why Diana loves you so much. <laughs> That's cool. Well, it's, it's reciprocal. Of course, of course. Well, you typically, or you are an inspiration to so many, but has there been a person in your past that was a great influential 
inspiration to you, a mentor, if you will? Well, there's two. One is that guy who was so pissed off that, you know, I wrecked this perfectly good automobile, Mm -hmm. who then turned around and helped me build a new car body uh, because it was a father-son deal. He's also the guy that uh, when I had to mow the front lawn, which was two acres, on a riding mower and the damn thing wouldn't work, Dad and I would take apart the carburetor and fix it. He was in the hardware business and uh, had built four hardware stores because I had three brothers, and he expected that each of us would own and run a hardware store when we graduated from college. Of course, after you graduate from college, who wants to work six days a week? Anyhow, (laughs) every time I would say to him that I, I wanted to start my own architectural firm, he would say, I don't think you're quite ready yet. You need a couple more years to get seasoned and understand the finances of it all and how to run a company, how to manage people, etc. And so uh, when I finally did call him and tell him that, okay, time's up, and this was probably the third time I tried to do that over a six-year period, and he didn't stay in my, get in my way. He just said, you need to find a bank, a lawyer, and an accountant because you'll need all three of those to help you develop a business plan and give you put you in a position where you could borrow money without uh having to, you know to cut your wrists and sign everything in blood. Yeah. Wow. What a what a great mentor. <laughs> well, considering that my father never finished high school and built his own business very entrepreneurial, it was good direction. And uh you know, when I I told him that I was being offered uh, an opportunity to get transferred to Chicago. He said, I think you should do that. And I said, yeah, but, you know, what about my family? And he said, well, you don't like your in-laws, and one way to get away from them is to move to Chicago. (laughs) Wise man. Which I doubt that you've had any other person say that ever. (laughs) Probably not, but uh, there may have been some thought on it somewhere in the past. Many years later, um, I had a younger brother who chose the University of Chicago because his older brother was in Chicago. And then my middle brother was working in the rag business, uh, that is textiles, in New York City, which I thought was pretty sleazy. And I told him that if he moved to Chicago, I could help him get a job in the architectural and interiors industry. And I did. So now Dad is saying... Hey, wait a minute. I don't like what's happening. I think you guys should move back to New York. <laughs> yeah. He he created some success and it kind of backfired on his grand plan of three boys running hardware stores. But it sounds like it all led you down a great path, no doubt. Well, let's take a short break and thank our sponsors again for this show. And we come back. I'd love to talk about a challenge because no doubt with all your success, you've run up against a few things that have taught you some valuable lessons. So keep that in mind and we'll be right back. Okay. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on firsthand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine 
smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. How did you discover your path to a fulfilling life? Too many young people flounder in finding an education and a career that fits. But for those who have a passion for cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and who love working with their hands, problem solving, and fixing things, a career as a professional auto technician is incredibly rewarding. Cars yeah is pleased to team up with TechForce Foundation, our charity of choice in bringing scholarships, technical education, and hands-on experience to young people so they can discover a possible future. Join me and lend your support by visiting techforce.org today. So let's talk about this, Bert. Uh, nobody gets to where you've gotten without running down a bumpy road. So tell me about a big challenge that taught you a really valuable lesson. Well, I'm not sure it taught me a valuable lesson. It certainly opened a huge door. This is worth telling. The firm that I was working for when I left to start my own firm had about 15 people in Washington, D.C. and in New York and in Chicago. And I, it turned out, wound up being the rainmaker uh, for all three offices. And I spent a lot of weekends away from home because I had been invited to some sort of a black tie affair with a former client who introduced me to other clients, etc. And I think that sets the stage for what my travel life was like as an employee. And I walked into the office two years, three years into employment, and my boss said, uh, listen, uh, when you put your stuff in your office, drop your briefcase. Uh, I've got to talk to you about a, uh, a staff problem that we have. And I said, uh, I went, went into his office, and I said, what's the dilemma? He said, we've got a morale problem. And I said, a morale problem? All these people are busy. They're working. He said, yeah, but they see you come in at 9.30. The office opens at 8.30, and uh, they want to know how come you get special treatment. <laughs> and I said, well, your job as the leader is to remind them that the reason they have a job is because I'm out of town all the time, drumming up new business, looking for new client opportunities, and do you also tell them that I don't leave until 7 in the evening when I drive you home and they've left at 5.30? Mm -hmm. Well, of mm -hmm. course, yes. He said, listen, can you do me a favor? And I said, well, I'll try. What is it? He said, I'd like you to be here tomorrow morning at 8.30 as a sign of good faith. And I said, without hesitating, I don't think I can do that. Why not? Well, apparently today's my last day. Oh, ba-boom. your last day? And I said, if I can do all of this for you and it's not appreciated and you haven't been supportive, I should just start my own firm, period. And I packed up my stuff and I went home. Wow. Good for you. Bravo. 
So I'm not sure that that was, you know, something brutal. Of course, then I called my father and told him what I did and asked him if he would lend me some money. Mm-hmm. And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, well, if you're going to do this with two other guys, I think you guys get them to pledge their mortgages and you guys write a decent business plan and any bank will give you the money. Yeah. Wow. What a wonderful story. And I, you know, so you hear this, so many people don't feel appreciated at their jobs. Especially now with COVID. Well, that's where I was going is so many people don't feel appreciated at their jobs when they work hard. And I've seen this happen over and over again. It's happened to me where you're the one that comes in early or stays late or work weekends and other people don't see that. And you don't tout that because you just work hard. But when your boss or your business partner doesn't see that or takes advantage of that, even worse, um, yeah, it's time to go off on your own. So uh, I, I really am glad you, you shared that story. Uh, and I think that's maybe what we are be, we're seeing right now in the world with uh, this lack of so-called lack of workers is a lot of people have reevaluated their lives and said, you know what, I think I can go out and do my own thing. I saw I read a great story. It was in Barron's about how so many people during COVID have started their own careers, their own businesses uh, with this proliferation of online, like what I've done. Exactly. Yeah. People have realized, you know what, if I'm going to work this hard for someone else, maybe I'll just work this hard for me and create something that I can be proud of and uh, not make the other guys successful on my back. So I'm really glad you did that. Bravo to you. That's a brave move. And, uh, Boy, look at where it got you. Wow, that is very, very cool. Let's, uh, you know, I was going to, I always ask my guests about bucket lists, things they want to do in your life. It seems like nothing stops you from creating a bucket list and moving forward. And you already shared some of those new things that you're working on now at this point in your life, which are absolutely spectacular because so many people at your age are winding down, but I think that's the worst thing they could do. I Instead, I would like to hear a special vehicle story from you, Bert, because you've had a lot of cool cars. I know this because I know your wife, and she's talked about these things with me. Tell me about a special car in your life, other than that Crosley, and uh, what made it so special? Before we go to that, I would like to give a little bit of insight into, you know, we uh, like to watch automobile racing, and we always talk about how wonderful and how clever and how successful all of the big names are. But having been behind the wheel of a race car, that yes, this skill, yes, this thought process, but the bigger thing, in my opinion, is preparation and strategy. How do you pass all those back markers safely? How do you get around them? Where is the opening? And if you think about that from a race car standpoint, business-wise or culturally, it's the same thing. When I drive, I always consider it to be a fluid flow. You know, it's not stop, go, stop, go, you know, make a left turn, make a right turn. It's how do you do all of that smoothly and effortless and seamlessly. So, I mean, you know, that goes along with anything you undertake. Absolutely. I do a lot of uh, motorcycle, vintage motorcycle restorations, and I love resurrecting. It's like the flight of the phoenix. You know, you find something that is basically trashed and doesn't function. And I discovered 
that I have more fun and more pleasure out of resurrecting it, making it like it was originally. I'm not talking about a hot rod. I'm talking about just as it was when it came out of the factory. And I discovered that after I get it done, I lose interest and I drive it a couple of times and then it languishes. So it's been a uh, quite a metamorphosis to discover that it almost has nothing to do with driving the thing when it's done. It's just getting it done and making it reasonably perfect. Right. That's the reward. Well, that leads nicely into that question about a special vehicle in your life. You've had a lot of very unique vehicles in your life, but if we talked about just one today, which one would it be and why? In high school, I worked in a grocery store after school. I was the guy that was putting the prices, stamping the prices on the cans and the boxes, and then I would help the grocery buyer, you know, the housewife, bring her bag of groceries out to the car. And next to the grocery store was a Studebaker dealership. And I can remember it quite vividly. It was 1953. And the Raymond Lowy designed Studebaker Starlight uh, hardtop came out. And it didn't have a boxy front end. It had a very sloping hood. You couldn't tell that there was really a radiator under that hood because it was so low. And that absolutely was the turning point for me to learn about industrial design. And I wanted to be a car designer. And um, the great story is that I applied to Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and MIT, didn't get into any of them. And magically, I wound up getting a letter from Oswego State Teachers College saying, congratulations, Bert. You have won, or you have been accepted to Oswego State Teachers College. Be here on August 23rd for freshman orientation. But before that, when I was rejected at all those schools, the guidance counselor at school wanted to meet with my parents, and they announced that, uh, or he announced that, you know, Bert may be a very smart and capable guy fixing things with his hands, uh, but not every student is college material. And we don't think you should spend any more money on college applications. And that was the end of that. It turns out that one of my father's fishing buddies was on the board of admissions at Oswego State Teachers College. And clearly, I've now realized years later that obviously dad had a conversation moaning and groaning about what are we going to do with Bert? And I got this letter telling me that I'd been accepted to a place I didn't even apply to. And ultimately, I switched my uh, English term paper was a research paper on any subject one desired. And so I wound up studying industrial design and discovered that only 40 miles away was one of the four good industrial design schools in the country called Syracuse University. And I went down there one weekend as part of doing my research. And when I discovered these guys were doing, you know, toasters and lamps and cars and bicycles, that's what I wanted to do. And so I transferred. And instead of being on 
the not-so-good list, I wound up on the dean's list. <laughs> Those of the universities didn't know what they were missing out on, no doubt. But isn't it interesting, the turns and, and things that happen to us in life that lead us down the path there where we end up where we end up. So what a wonderful story. You are a very interesting guy, and I, I want to ask you a very unique question that I'll bet no one's ever asked you. I'm going to crawl into your head a little bit here, be your automotive psychologist today. If you were manifest as a vehicle, Bert, what would you be, but more importantly, why? You're right. I've never been asked that question, but my knee-jerk reaction would be I'd be an old English sports car um, because they never were something that went very fast. They were just sort of uh, expressed youthful exuberance while still having a high level of dignity. <laughs> Nicely done, my friend. That's a perfect answer uh, based on what I've learned about you today. I love it. That was an easy one. Well, I've learned that successful people in life have figured out the true secret to being happy, and that is helping others and giving back. And I know that a big part of your life has been philanthropy and extending into mentoring and helping the next generation of gearheads. How do you do that? And also, you've also helped raise money for fallen police officers' families as well, right? Yes, I'm the chairman of the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation, uh, which we run something called, I created the Cars and Cops Car Show. and because let's go back to my father, who felt that the only thing that he was obligated to do for his four sons was to make sure we had a good education. And if you wanted a car or you wanted a boat or anything else, go get a job and earn it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, when it comes to education, the fact that the foundation ensures that the children of fallen officers get an education, that certainly tapped into my brain. And so that's a pleasure doing it while I had gotten roped into or volunteered to do something. I did it with gusto and enthusiasm, and uh, I have an incredible committee to work with. And it's we make sure it's fun, because the basic rule in life is if it's not fun, don't do it. <laughs> and when I discovered that I wasn't having fun as an architect, but I was a manager, I quit. I sold the company to my fir to my junior partners and never looked back. I think that's really important. And in terms of the mentoring, it's coincidental, but I had two students here through lunch hour just going through some of the this how this works and explaining the mechanics of it. The only thing I did good in high school was understand when I took physics, what a, how a four-stroke engine worked. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, as I said, I've learned from talking to so many people here on Cars, yeah, that when we give back to others is when we're really, truly happy. And I believe that really is the secret to being happy, is to helping other people. But you figured that out, no doubt, and continue to be an incredible inspiration, not only to us listeners today, but to many, many others around you. And that is... That is the secret sauce to happiness for sure. Is there a book that you would like to share with us that you've read maybe this past year that you think others would enjoy? Well, actually, I knew you were going to ask that, and I don't have a cop-out other than I read voraciously 
typically uh, foreign spy thrillers or biographies. And I've read a lot about other world leaders, and I just find them very captivating in terms of how people made decisions and why they made decisions. But I don't have a specific. I probably go through two books a month, and I travel a lot by plane, and I never get on a plane unless I have a book or two with me, which I devour by the end of the flight. <laughs> nice. So I don't have anything specific. And as I said, it's not necessarily a cop-out, but I find them all fascinating. I do remember that one of the early inspirations was a guy by the name of Armand Hammer. Do you know who that is? Yes, yes. That name has popped up on this show a couple times. So reading about how he helped the Soviet Union build, actually manufacture pencils so kids could be educated and could write was, you know, the simplest task imaginable. But somebody had to figure it out and do it, and he did it. Yeah, yeah. He was also known as a very prolific art collector, uh, from my memory of reading about Arm & Hammer as well. Um, And you mentioned his close ties to the Soviet Union, which is quite interesting. Yeah, a lot to learn about him for sure. So uh, I'll tell you what, I'll find a a cool book perhaps about him that I'll put on your show notes page uh, as a reference to a great book to read. Well, it's it's his biography and it's uh, pretty fat. Uh, Yeah. The the other one that comes to mind is the history of Catherine the Great, who wasn't even Russian, but I think she was German or Austrian. Mm Mm-hmm. And she ruled that whole country um, and all of the things that she accomplished as in what I would call an you know, unsophisticated, uneducated leader. But she had leadership skills galore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's a very, very interesting character. And, and you, you study her history and you go, how on earth did she end up how she ended up? But I think a lot of it was she was a very intelligent person, too. Yes used her smarts uh, to get where she got. Well, I'm going to take you on what I call the ultimate drive today. You've taken so many people on their ultimate rides through your motorcycle tours and the many things that you've done. But this one is a little bit different, Bert, because in this one, I have a magical power that enables you to pick any vehicle in the world to be in. You can be with anybody and you can be anywhere. Now that any person could be somebody living or deceased, so there's that magical power popping up. So what does that ultimate drive look like? Maybe, I'm sure you have a lot of ideas here, but just for today. What would be wonderful is to be able to drive with Albert Einstein going through Eastern Europe. And what would you be in? It's irrelevant. (laughs) The bottom line is that I'm so spoiled and have had so many cars that I really don't care. <laughs> you are spoiled. Holy cow. Well, I mean, my, my daily driver is a 2013 Fiat 500 that I bought used for $9,000 about four years ago. Um, I bought it on eBay in Tulsa, and I flew down to Tulsa and drove it home and have not removed a smile from my face. <laughs> A guy that knows how to have fun. Oh, my gosh. Albert Einstein, that's a unique one. I'm not sure anybody's mentioned him before. I've had some very interesting people mentioned with that question, but 
I don't think Albert's been one of them, but that would be quite fascinating. You know, I could talk to you for hours, Bert. You've taken us on a very, very wonderful, inspirational ride. I can't thank Diana enough for getting us together today. Uh, Now I know why she wanted us to talk. Before I let you go, could you share a success quote, a mantra, or say maybe some inspirational words for our listeners today? It's really simple. If it's not fun, don't do it. (laughs) There you go. Basically refers to your career. Absolutely. Oh, so important. It's why I created this podcast is to inspire listeners to go out and do something they enjoy. And if you can figure out a way to make a living at it, you have figured out the secret sauce. Remember, I haven't had a job in 35 years. So (laughs) for me, you know, it's not about doing anything, uh, you know, fiscal or financial. I am a spoiled brat. If it's not fun, I won't do it. And as long as it is fun, I will continue to do it. There you go. I love it. Is there a way for people to follow along with you? For instance, is there a website for Collector Collector's Car Garage or any way for people to keep up with your very fast-paced life? Um, I don't think so. First of all, it is uh, Haggerty Garage on Social. And we do have a website, and you can see some of our activities on that. All right. I'll make sure I put a link to that website on Bert Shona's page so you can keep track of him. Uh, Good luck, though, because keeping up with this guy, you got to be fast and smart. And most importantly, you got to have fun. Bert, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise. And you're such a great inspiration. I hope our paths cross again soon. Until then, I'll see you down the road. Very good, Mark. I've enjoyed it, and uh, good questions. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!